and we are on. It's your boy Roshan Gomez. You are listening to the Rumor Roy podcast. Another do, disappointing one. <laughs> do you want? Not only do you want your intro. And we are joined by guest host Christian Gomez for another one. To all the fans of the Rumor Roy podcast, MCO edition. I am so sorry. Honestly, if you thought I, if any of you ever thought I was intelligent starting out a few episodes ago, I think I've exhausted all of my intelligence in the That's last few true, episodes though. and I'm done. That's not true. I cannot sound sophisticated anymore. Well, well, compared to me, I think you do sound sophisticated. So that's I mean, fine. It's, it, I see a pattern of de-sophistication <laughs> as every episode <laughs> progresses that I do. Yeah, it's like a very Buddhist thing. We're just like peeling off the, the layers, layers of ego. Maybe the fakeness. <laughs> All the ego is removed. You know, the, the truth is if you... Uh, we often like just talk to someone for in a superficial level. You don't really know much about that person's thoughts, right? But the yep. moment you spend, spend more... bloody hours. <laughs> yeah. Cumulatively. You really estimate the person much better. Yeah. How are you doing, Christian Gomez? Okay, I'm good. It is... This is the latest podcast we've ever recorded, actually. So I'm quite tired. Yeah, it's uh, nine I mean, o'clock. It's, yeah. And your listeners are going to think I'm a grandma. <laughs> it's nine o'clock and I'm saying I'm tired. Yeah, but you had a long day. I man. had a long day, yeah. You had a long day. Um, you're building a... a, a what, what I do don't you call know what to call shed? it yet. Yeah, some days I call it like a garden house. Some days I call it a shed. Sometimes mm. I actually call it a bird house. Yeah. Yeah, but it's a garden house. I think that's the most accurate term. Yeah, and it looks good. Mm. So far, so good. It looks good. Until uh, the monkeys step on it. Yeah. And rip it to shreds. So, latest update on the monkeys. Uh, loyal fans will know that uh, Ruma Roy is in a war, in a battle, ferocious battle with a group of monkeys opposite the uh, the jungle, opposite our house. And We uh, have a beautiful forest opposite our house. I wouldn't trade anything for that forest. Yeah, most the definitely. The monkeys are uh, uh, a, a small price to pay. Yeah, 100%. Actually, sometimes uh, I walk... If I walk around this area, I realize actually how beautiful it is. Oh, it's gorgeous. I, I think it's just because sometimes we grow up with it, we take it for granted. But yeah. it's actually really, really beautiful. Yeah. I No, every time I come back, I realize the forest is like really... It's just doing so well here. But it's not only the forest, but even like coming into a housing area, the way the trees arch. Yeah, that's been... Yeah, yeah that, that that's uh, a bit of architecture. La. Yeah, but it's, it yeah, is it's beautiful. beautiful yeah. there's, there's a lot of nature here. I mean... As much as yeah, you can have in a residential area. Mm. Um, yeah, but anyway, update on the monkeys. That was Alexa. Alexa, you're not welcome here. <laughs> um, yeah, so the update is... Uh, we shouldn't say her name. <laughs> so does she detect my... Yeah, she, as long as you say the name. Oh, yeah. That's creepy. Um, so latest update on the monkeys. Uh, I think... Uh, uh, what was the agency called? Perhilitan. Perhilitan, yeah. Yeah, Perhilitan came in and, and uh, shot them. And so now they have a bit of fear in their hearts. Shot a few of them. Like, not all of them. So, for you, for us, mm-hmm. animal lovers out there, um, this is a necessary step, I think. I mean, it's not good for the welfare of the animal, but, you know, managing populations is one of the important works of um, these wildlife agencies. Yeah. And humans and animals coming together actually had, it's quite dangerous in yeah. a lot of ways. Uh, from a safety aspect, you know. Because we have it. kids who walk around yeah, and exactly. they could get attacked. And from a disease perspective. Definitely. Yeah. 
Um, and yeah, like you said, I think population control is sometimes something that as humans, we frown upon. Yeah. We see negatively. Because yeah, killing anything is never nice. Right. right. But in the case of animals that are in abundance in the wrong places. Exactly. Then you got to think about it from a statistical sense. Because it, it not necessarily harms the human population, but it could also be bad for the ecosystem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for example, the the influx of domestic cats have been terrible for the wild bird population. Because mm. the cats kill the wild birds. Yep. So they've been finding that because everyone's having domestic cats, it hasn't been good for the biodiversity of wild animals. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just an example of how having a lot of one animal is never a good thing. Mm. So we've got to always like think about management from that sense. Do you ever think about why cats are so popular? Like I hate well, I don't hate cats, but I don't understand why they're domesticated animals. Yeah, you know, and I can understand with dogs, right? They serve a very clear domestic purpose. A very, very utilitarian purpose, actually, if you think about it. Yeah, and there's very no. Of course, now you can see a lot of lot of dogs don't perform any utility whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. right. But you can see that they are trained. They have been bred to bond with humans yeah. and serve humans. Yeah. And they can fulfill multiple functions, right? They look like crazy kind of things. Yeah. And, cats, and they gain a lot of pleasure from, from being, doing it. From right? being with humans. Yeah. Like they get the, you know, the endorphins. People mentioned all of this. Yes, yes, yes. They're very happy to serve humans. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a lot of research, research to show that humans and dogs have sort of evolved together. Yeah, together. Yeah. yeah. And same as with cats as well. But I don't see that same function. <laughs> Between cats and humans. Yeah. It's weird, right? Yeah. I mean, you can train cats. Yeah. And cats also, you know, they always say that cats can also give comfort and things yeah. like that. But they don't really… Reciprocate. Well, yeah, that's one thing. But also, they don't really serve a, a like a function. They don't really yeah. do… Yeah. Like, you can't… There's no cat guard. Yeah. Right? There's yeah. no cat that's guiding… There's uh, no practical purpose for them. Like. Yeah. Yeah. I but don't know. The same can be said of like sugar gliders and goldfish… Rabbits. Mm. Yeah, agreed. But I mean, cats and dogs are the most… The biggest, yeah. You know, the biggest. I think it's a personality thing. Mm. I, I find that… Uh, you, you read you read uh, Yuval Noah, Noel Harari's book, right? Yeah. Uh, Homo Deus. Yeah, Homo Deus. It's a good book. Yeah. Did you see the part where he wrote about how domestic animals account for the largest amount? Yeah, yeah. It was some crazy number. Like, crazy number, yeah. The domestic animals account for about 80% of all animals on, on the planet. Yeah, I mean, we were talking with Joanna about um, uh, Tiger King and about how… the There are the, more tigers in America than everywhere else in the world. Yeah, yeah. which is crazy. <laughs> there are more domesticated tigers in yeah. America yeah. than there are wild tigers outside of America. Yeah. Which yeah. is insane. Anyway, hey, look at us uh, uh, sounding not too, not too stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Sounding like we've read a thing or two. Yeah. Anyway, guys, if you're listening and, uh, you know, if you're listening to this and you're stuck in MCO, we're here with you. We hope you're, 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 you're surviving. Uh, how's my audio? Is it crazy? Uh, no, yeah, okay. <laughs> if, if people could see our audio interface, my waves are like super large and Christian's is super small. <laughs> it's minuscule. <laughs> Dang, man. They're going to hear this for sure. <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna pull my my. I'm gonna pull away a little bit from the mic. Let Jane handle it. But anyway, um, uh, because I think by the time this episode airs, we'll know whether the MCU has been extended or not. Yeah, man, I'm kind of apprehensive about this one. Meaning, I'm okay. nervous. I'm nervous. Right, I have a feeling it's gonna get extended. Yeah. Now the degree of it, I really not sure. 
Um, but do you remember like a month ago, we were like, man, can't believe it's another one month. You know, it was first two weeks and you're like, dang, if it goes to one month, I'm going to lose my mind. I can't believe we're doing this again. Not really. And I, it's already been one month. But not really. I kind of knew that. I was ready. The moment it started, because you were not around here, I think when they first announced the MCO. So like last year, you mean? Yeah, last year. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't started, experience it. It started with year. two weeks. It continued two weeks. Another two weeks. Yeah. Another two weeks. And so, kind of gotten used to it. So, when it started off, I kind of knew that just take it as good. This is going to be six months. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, I'm not, I won't be too disappointed if it gets extended. Only if it's a strict lockdown though. Yeah. Because then, I can't even go to work and my yeah. whole schedule is going to be out of control. Yeah. I mean, it's frustrating for me because, you know, a lot of my work and a lot of my productivity really depends on me being out in the forest. I can do so much more. Like, just I have ideas just waiting to be explored and it's burning inside of me. And I just want to... You know, one of the big reasons why I was okay with taking this job, as remote as it might be or whatever, is that it's just Sabah. It's a two and a half hour flight. You know, if there's any emergency, in two and a half hours, I'll be home. Yeah. Right? yeah. It's, not, it's not a big deal. It's yeah. like... I mean, I know it's a plane, but it's like driving to Johor, really. Yeah, think definitely. About it. So, but you know, this whole situation has really changed the playing field quite a bit. Yeah, sorry. The reason why we're laughing is because suddenly my waves became super small. No, you're back. And now it's huge again. again. Oh my God. Jane, where are you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, sorry. Anyway, yeah. So, it's frustrating la, that I can't, um, you know, go in and out as I, as I please anymore. Mm. And um, it's been uh, quite a long stretch that I've been home now, which has been nice, but, you know, I need to get back to Sabah quick. Right. Which I can't at the moment. Right. So anyway, if you're listening, uh, this, consider this a mental health check. Yeah. Uh, we also, I mean, I hope this doesn't depress your listeners, but I mean, just to reinforce the fact that we're all in this together. Yeah, man. Uh, we see you, we hear you. Yeah. Uh, and we hope you're hanging in there. Um, if you're in a bad situation, maybe personally you're feeling down or Actually, we're going to go through this as we go along this episode. But if you're if if you're feeling down personally, or maybe you're in a situation that's really toxic, don't be afraid to reach out, lah. Because I remember during the last MCO, we were talking about a person that we knew who took his own life. Yeah, and it was a great shame, lah, because he was such a great guy, great guy, super nice, super yeah. talented dude. Yeah, and he just took his own life uh, because of things that he was facing, and mm. it's a great shame, lah, great tra- mm. yeah, tragedy. So, mm. if you're going through something similar, do not be afraid to kind of just reach yeah. out. Lah. Even if you think it's trivial, right? Better to come off as trivial yeah. than for you to deal with this by yourself and yeah. it ex- escalate to a point where we can't turn back time. Yeah. Right. But anyway, to give you some entertainment, some content to make your days a little bit better. Uh, for your… You wake up in the morning and you don't know what to do and you feel like… I think we need to do our rap. What uh, <laughs> I know. Come you, on. You have to do the first words then. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe we'll What's save What's wrong with the world? Oh, people living like this. It's still my main karaoke <laughs> jam. I know every single word. Uh, for, for the listeners at home. Uh, people killing, people dying. <laughs> we really shocked Cindy, man. <laughs> Me and Christian. Actually, for your information, if you do not know, we are the talk of the town. We were the ton. We were very famous 
child wedding performers. Let's just say call us child stars. Like, we were child stars. Yeah, we went through basically. it. We were in demand. Yeah. Our greatest song was Black Eyed Peas. Where people is that? <laughs> this was pre-puberty. So yeah, yeah. We, we had the high-pitched noise. I could do Fergie, no problem. Yeah. And I guess a Will I Am. <laughs> Somehow. The first song we ever sung was uh, I'm a Barbie Girl. Oh, that was epic. <laughs> My mom thought it was a good idea that as a four-year-old, a three-year-old boy, yeah. I sang the lyrics to I'm a Barbie Girl. And I would do the guy's part. And you would do the guy's part. So, I'm a Barbie girl. Yeah, only like <laughs> six years ago, I listened to the song again. That, uh, it's uh, terrible. Uh, it's horrible. It's horrible. The lyrics are bad. <laughs> it's horrible. It's horrible. And you were the guy yeah. talking to me yeah, about it's addressing weird. me. It's weird. <laughs> okay, anyway, uh, moving forward. So today is a special episode of the Roman Roy Podcast. We're trying a different format. It's a wrap-up episode. What is a wrap-up episode? I have no idea. But today, we're going to do questions. Questions from you, the audience, the people who listen to this, the people who support us, the people that we love. Um, I actually don't know whether I should name the people who ask the questions, but then some of these questions are a bit intense, so I think better not. Maybe for future reference. So, uh, we we posted on our socials about a week ago that we were going to do a Q&A. So, you take control of the episode. And um, and we got a lot of questions. We got a lot of questions that were forwarded uh, via DMs to myself, Sharon, Jane. Now, the questions range pretty diversely, if, if I'm using that word correctly. Um, so what I've done is I've grouped three, I've done managed to do three groups. So that should eliminate a bunch of questions. But then after that, we're just going to take it question by question. So yeah, if this episode goes on for too long, then we're just going to break it into two episodes. One for, yeah, for two, 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 two episodes. Yeah, sorry, we're just handling our audio right now. Look, my waves are crazy, yeah, man. Your waves are all over the place, man. It's mad. Okay, never mind. Oh man, Jane's going to have a tough time yeah. editing this. God bless you. I'm not Jane. peaking, right? Am I peaking? You might be some parts. Never mind. Damn, son. All right. <laughs> okay, are you ready for questions, Mr. Christian Gomez? yeah, yeah. yeah. This is really good format. Let's do this. All right. Uh, Shall I give you some background music while you read the question? People killing. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to beatbox. One, two, three, four. Number one. First category. Rumaroid questions. Okay, thank you very much. <laughs> okay, enough. We have to is go that through a question? question. No, we have to go through all the oh, questions. Okay. Yeah. We can't have you beatboxing throughout all the questions. Okay, Why not? first question. So, first category is Ruma Roy questions. So, these are questions specifically about Ruma Roy. Not only Ruma Roy, but also a bit about our personal lives, our, you know, like our parents or oh, yeah. things like of that nature. Okay, then anyway, let me go through it. Question number one. Well, let me ask, because, you know, you are the founder of Ruma Roy. Secondly, question is directed to you. Yeah, but I don't think you're... I can, I can understand this. All right, question number one. How did... I think we should do uh, who is Roy first <laughs> because that gives uh, the hubs. Oh, okay. So, Mr. Roshan Gomez. Yep. Can you give us the origin story of Roy? Who is Roy? <laughs> yeah. Great question, listener. Um, Roy is actually our dad. And the reason why the podcast is called Rumah Roy, this is the first time we're talking about it, is because um, we have a guard post in our housing area. And whenever people wanted to come visit us, 
normally they would tell the guy, oh, we're going to Rumah Roy and they would let you in. So, Jane kind of recommended, well, she said it jokingly lah when we first started recording the podcast. Oh, you should just name it Rumah Roy lah since people have to say Roy to come to your house. I'm like, hey, that's a, that's a great idea. She yeah. said it as a joke lah but she didn't think I would actually do it. But yeah, <laughs> I liked it. liked it. So, that's Rumah Roy. Okay, next question. All right. Will you ever have Roy on the show? No. It's his house. Definitely not. <laughs> Why not? I don't know, man. The world's not ready for it. He might have heard that actually. He's upstairs right now. I think now. he'll be fine with that. Okay. Wh- no, wh- actually why? mom asked me that yeah, the other day. Why what? don't you get Papa to come on the podcast? And I don't think the world's ready to listen to Papa. <laughs> <laughs> my dad, if you think we are philosophical, my dad's on a different level altogether. Yeah, so like one c- cool thing about our dad is I think growing up he always especially when he was drinking, would ask us quite deep philosophical questions on yeah. the way home. Like, uh, like I don't know. Like, Do you remember any? Um, like, I remember. Okay, this is one I remember. I was really young. I must have been late primary school, maybe early secondary. Then he was telling me, you know, Roshan, this is really weird if you think back about it. Like, hey, Roshan, you know, I have a friend, you know, and I keep recommending him for jobs and he keeps messing up. Right, he he either he messes up the interview or he gets hired and then he just like doesn't do well and he keeps asking me to help set him back up. Mm. Right? Do you think I should continue doing it? Because it looks bad on me and clearly this guy's not taking this seriously. Yeah. But then he's really sincere and asking for help and he's in a bad spot right now. Yeah. Like, how the <laughs> hell do you? Answer? <laughs> Even now, I would find it difficult to answer. Help, la, papa. <laughs> <laughs> Help! 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 Oh God, it's too late at night for this, man. Yeah. <laughs> so that that that. That was um that's one, that's one. And we had many questions like that, lah. Yeah. So yeah, okay, next question. <laughs> this is really getting self-indulgent. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Sorry guys. Okay, next one, next one. Um, alright. Okay, I've got myself. Um How did your parents choose the name of Roshan? I think a friend suggested it to them. Yeah. And, I know uh, your name origin has a cooler name has a, has a more legit <laughs> but I think yours is a cooler no mine is unlegit it's like yeah, zero yeah but your name is unique there's no name like yeah, it yeah that's true but it's so I like that the inspiration behind it is complete like your name was means something yeah so my name basically means light of the family in yeah. Sanskrit I believe yeah um, yeah so if you hear Roshan that's what it means Roshni means just light um, yeah and yeah. so they actually heard a friend had recommended it they they like the meaning and so they just took it in. Uh, Christians is a weird one because he was born in December. Yeah, if any of you don't know how my name is spelled, it's, sorry, it's C-H-R-I-S-H-E-N. Yeah. So the standard Tamil or Indian name would be Kishan. Yeah. Kishan or Krishnala. Or Krishna, yeah. Right. Um, and I think my parents saw either one of those names because I was born in UM, University of Malaya Hospital. UH, I guess. And um, um, on the way to the hospital, they saw a guy's house. His name was Krishna or something like that. No, Kishan. La, dude. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. not it. La. No, they saw the name Krishna Kishan, the 
Indian version of my name. Uh-huh. And, oh, that's a nice name. Let's, you know, since he's being born in, during Christmas, yeah. let's kind of Christianize the name. And they also wanted our names to match. The Shins. Yeah. Ocean, yeah, yeah, Kishin. Yeah. yeah, so it would have been like, I think it was Kishin, la, the, the, the guy's name on his house. Right. And so they said, let's change the front spelling instead of a K, let's make, make it a CHR, like Christmas. Mm. And thus came Christian. Yeah, That's why and my the name not, rhymes with mine. La. Yeah, Roshan, Christian. Yeah. That's why my name does not exist. Yeah, yeah. Christian name is completely unique. Yeah, if you Google, no like, one name Christian. If you Google Christian, you, all you'll get is me. Yeah. Roshan also, to be fair, the spelling is different. La. Yeah, there's no E. Yours is R-O-E. E. Normally, it's R-O-S. Yeah, that's right. Cool. Yeah. Okay, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, How did Mr. Roy meet Mrs. Roy? That's actually a nice story. Yeah, it's really cool actually. And also, it's, it's a bit of a, like a, a fairy tale uh, story, which is also cool for us because we kind of see what happens after happily ever after. Yeah. 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 Not so happily. <laughs> <laughs> happily, la, happily ever after. But you know, it's not always happy. La. There are ups and downs in anything. <laughs> um, no, so they, they grew up in, in Banting. As you all know, we have spoken about Banting numerous, numerous of times. Yeah. Um, and they were childhood sweethearts. Uh, since like the age of... I mean, they knew each other since Even the age our of, grandparents knew each yeah, other. Yeah, grandparents were family, friends. They lived close by. Mm. My mom and dad knew each other since they were 10 or 11. And really started dating, I think, uh, after high school, maybe when they were 18, 19. Mm. And they got married when they were about 28, 29. Uh, sorry, 27, 28. So, a uh, dating period of almost 10 years which is um, quite cool. Quite cool. But uh, yeah, it really is one of those like yeah, and close friendships. And my mom was from a very affluent family. Yeah. My dad was dirt poor. Yeah. Uh, Not dirt poor, love. Just I mean, the point, there was one point. At the, at the, to, yeah, towards the later part. I mean, the, after after our granddad passed away, then the, it was tough. Yeah, he, he literally, he stayed in the church uh, yeah. ethic. Yeah. With his family, right? Of what six, seven of them? Mm. I don't know whether all of them were staying that thick, but but I think that was a that was a common situation for a lot of people, right? At that time, yeah. So, but that also kind of added the drama because my mom had a lot of suitors, but she was really set on my dad. Yeah, my dad became a full time musician. Yeah, you know, so the whole thing la, But yeah. you know, they 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 kind of so it was a true love story la. Yeah, my mom. So it's funny when you talk to my parents, my, my dad will give us advice. He, one, his only advice, I think, is always uh, marry someone like your mom. Yeah. And then if you talk to my mom, my mom will say, my biggest regret is marrying your mother. <laughs> <laughs> so clearly someone got a better deal. <laughs> not biggest regret. La. Well, not biggest. <laughs> I mean, she's semi-joking when she says it. But she, I think she does recognize that she kind of had a lot of... Uh, she used to read a lot of Mills and Boons. Yeah. So she, she was really... She had, some fantasies. She had a lot of fantasies. La, and yeah. then, you know, when you enter a relationship and the years go by, and especially when you have kids, yeah. I think a lot of those fantasies are kind of pulled Stripped from your, you and yeah. you kind of have to deal with that. La. And so, I think she's kind of semi-jokingly yeah. telling me that. La. Yeah. She told me the only relationship advice she gave me was don't think you can change your partner when mm-hmm. you go into it. Yeah. I think that was really, really good advice. Yeah, that's true. That's really good advice. Okay, next one. Uh, we're done with this category actually. Great. Shall we do self-help or men or food? Let's do a fun one. Let's do food first. Sure. Um, all right. Oh, this was a really interesting one from our cousin, mm. Abinish. Mm. People talk a lot about Malaysian food. 
Yeah. He's a fan of Malaysian food. Yeah. He's in the UK at the moment. Uh, we are a fan of Malaysian food. Definitely. But people don't always talk about Malaysian food they don't like. Alright. So what would you say is the worst Malaysian dish you've ever eaten? I, okay, that question is a bit tricky because is it objectively the worst? Or is it the worst for me? So it could be like my least favourite. Yeah. Or is it like objectively bad? Let's is it, like, is no, it your least favourite or bad? Let's go with objectively bad. That's tough, man. Yeah. That's really, really tough. Um, he said Rojak Boa. Yeah. Right? But even Rojak… Okay, I get it. Like if I were in the UK and I would come back, I wouldn't be craving, oh, I need myself some Rojak Boa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. But Rojak Boa is just tasty. Yeah. Nothing wrong with Rojak Boa. Rojak, Rojak Boa is nice. Yeah. Objectively bad. I don't know. What about… What do you… We were talking about this actually. Yeah. Well, I could I could list a, f- you know, I've traveled a lot mm. uh, around Malaysia. And in the east part of Malaysia, you eat a lot of weird things. Yeah. Weird things. So, they this that's why they you know, I don't think you'd classify them as like general or everyday Malaysian food because yeah. they're definitely like eclectic, special, seasonal food. So, the the Saukins have this really smelly fish. They ferment. Mm. Um, that they, they, they comes out during Gawai. Tastes bad. Smells bad. <laughs> it's fermented fish. Right. Spoiled, basically. Um, the I Sabahans mean, have this… Tamalu also has that. Uh, you're talking about like tempoya. Kind oh. Of. Well, I don't think this is a… Well, this is not food. Yeah, tempoya. Tempoya is definitely an acquired taste. It's fermented durians. Yeah. So, I can imagine a lot of people would not like it. Yeah. We spoke about Luicha, which is a yeah. Sarawakian dish. Yeah, but in Samaranjong. I've had it a few times in Samaranjong. Yeah, I, yeah. I like it, but yeah, I know people who don't like because it. Because it's basically like mashed up um, herbs, five different kinds of herbs. Yeah, uh, so it's vegetables. a soup. It's a soup, uh, a herbal soup with a uh, mixed kind of like with nuts and. Uh, That's it, actually. No, there's different, different. There's like, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but it's just vegetables. Yeah, it's full on. There's vegetables. no. Is there rice? They don't all. Yeah, 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 they do, they right, do. Right. Uh, I mean, the ones that I had had rice, oh, okay, brown okay. rice. Yeah. Uh, um, alcohols are quite bad. Like I know that's not food, but Malaysia Malaysians make some really bad alcohol. Mm. Um, there's a, I've had a whole bunch in Sabah of like just distilled, fermented rice with no kind of process to it. It's just it just meant to knock you out and get you high really quick. Yeah. Especially when you're in the forest. So there's things like uh, lovely. Langkau, which is really like, you know, I think triple distilled alcohol. Wonderful. It's just, it's, oh, Delightful. I've, I've had coconut tua, which is honestly, I've vomited on it so many times. <laughs> it's the worst. Vomited not because of the alcohol, because it tastes bad. <laughs> like, that's, sometimes when I think about it, yeah. I feel like vomiting again. <laughs> because it just tastes so bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's the kind of thing where like, they make you sit in a circle and pass the thing around. And if you don't drink it, you're out of the circle. You've broken the bond. So right. you have to. Right, right, right. Yeah. That's interesting. The only thing that I've puked to eating was when I was in primary school. I mixed roti jala with kropoleko sauce. <laughs> and I puked after that. Right. And until today, I stay away from roti jala. <laughs> Legit. Quite nice actually. I know. Actually, I don't know whether it's called roti jala. The, it's the yellow one, you know. Yellow that? one, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, roti, jala, roti jala. Yeah. Is it roti jala? Yeah, it's called roti jala. It's not roti right. la, but… Right, so fair enough. Know. Yeah, so I stay away from it. Until today, I stay away from it. I just, right. I can remember that, like those two things, let me just tell you, everybody, never mix Kropoleko <laughs> sauce with Roti Jala. Because I put the Kropoleko sauce like it was curry. Like. <laughs> maybe, you know, a school canteen, maybe it was spoiled. 
Maybe. It could it be. Was, it could be. It was so long ago. Yeah. Uh, and my memory is not great. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, I don't think... Uh, no, like, nothing bad. Nothing la. bad. La. Definitely yeah. nothing bad. Yeah. Well, least Malaysian food then. Least favorite Malaysian food. Um... I think there's another question. Actually, my least favorite food is on that that question. Okay. I'm going to shut Alexa down. All right. Okay. So the next question that's <laughs> on this list is Mihun versus fried rice. Yeah. So I know who this is from. This is from Sharon, definitely, because we always talk about this because she really likes Mihun, and for me, I feel like Mihun's a scam. Um, I don't know whether you agree. Because like, you know when you go for like seminars or conferences or whatever, there's always a like, staple breakfast yeah. dishes, right? There's yeah. either nasi goreng, yeah. mihun, chicken curry, curry pop, yeah. right? That's it. I always feel when they only serve mihun, it's a scam. Because I feel like that's just the cheapest thing that they can put together. The simplest thing they can put together. Yeah. And it's just to fill your stomach. Yeah. I don't think anybody eats mihun for taste. No one… I, my, my understanding like, or what I feel is like… You don't go to the counter and like, oh yes, mihun. Yeah. You know, like, ah, mihun, you know? Well, the problem with this question here is, you say mihun, right. but you say fried rice. I would go for fried rice. No, no, no. What I'm saying is, it's like comparing, it's like comparing mihun and rice. Sure. You can't compare mihun and fried rice. Mihun is the noodle type. No, no, no. But does she's she mean, not talking about. Does she mean fried? She's mihun? Talk, yeah, she means fried mihun. Okay, okay, okay. She's talking about that brown fried mihun. The standard breakfast. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay, yeah, okay, yeah. okay. Um, would you do fried mihun or would you do fried rice or would you do a combination of both? I'm sure I, you do fried rice, man. I'm not a fan of fried rice either. What? Yeah, especially in those breakfast things. I like Chinese fried rice when they like. Yeah, Chinese fried rice is just different. It's good. I don't know why. Um. And Mihun doesn't get to that level of Chinese fried rice. But when it's just that standard like breakfast dish, mm. honestly, the both are equally bad. My theory is that just like how you have particular personalities that gravitate towards dogs, yeah. and particular personalities that gravitate towards uh, cats, you have a similar kind of thing Spin. with Mihun and fried rice. I think if you have a particular personality, you will go for uh, fried rice. If you have a particular but personality, you But I don't you go think it's Mihun. as polarizing as dogs and cats. There'll be of, loads of, of people not, like me no. like, I don't like either. I'd rather not eat either. It's such important. It's such if there's a curry pub there, I'll go with the curry pub, man. Okay, then there's a third option. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're the sugar glider. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay, great. Next one. Uh, the last question was, what was the prawn dish that our mother was cooking? Yeah, this is from Joanna. In the episode when we had prawns in the background. I can't remember, man. It's a good question. Why? I did, I, it was, was it prawns though? Because… I don't remember eating prawns. Yeah, I don't think it was prawns. It Maybe wasn't prawns. Up. Yeah, it wasn't prawns. We la. thought it was prawns. It was not prawns. It might have been chicken or something like that. Oh, no, but was that was the good dinner. I remember we thanked mom for making that. It was really nice. What was it? Huh? It was papadum. We had papadum. Right, right, Fried right. fish. Fried fish. Fried fish. Fried and rasam. Yes, yes. That was, that was good stuff. <laughs> that was a good... We've been having good dinners these yeah. past few weeks. Yeah, yeah. Um... Yeah. Thank you, MCO. Thank you, MCO. All right, that's our food um, category done. Category done and done. dusted. Woo! Okay, these go to the more philosophical Jobs. genre. Shall you take them? Yeah, sure. Uh, let's do the. Okay, we'll do a bit uh, like a bit more serious. Then we can do the men one because it's a bit funny, well, kind of funny, self help ish. 
category. All these questions have to do a little bit with joy. First one, how do you find joy in your work when work sucks and there's nothing to look forward to after work? Number two, how do you find happiness when it seems that nothing interests me? And then there's another one. Hold on. This one is in my phone because it's a little bit longer. I love to hear more of your thoughts on sep- on being separated physically but connecting virtually and how that affects friendships with family and perhaps touch on the emotional health issues Malaysians are facing because of COVID. It's sadly a, tab- a taboo topic. People tend to think that because of the pandemic, we should just suck it up and not be sad. But these two issues, pandemic and emotional health, are not mutually exclusive. So a lot of it has to do with... Um, Sort of your personal well-being, lah. Huh? Yeah. Okay. First one. I like the first question. How do you find joy in work when work sucks? Yeah. I think we both would have different ways of points being. of perspective because you are generally doing something you're passionate about. Yeah. I'm particularly. I'm not particularly passionate about my work. Yeah. Uh, I see it more as a means of income. Yeah. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. Either. Yeah. yeah. So maybe you can go first. Um, look, I love the idea of my work. I don't like every component of it. Mm. There are things about it that make me dread the day. And so the the only way I get by those difficult periods, and I'm thinking whoever asks this is probably going through a stretch where it's difficult now or un, un, unenjoyable. You know, MCO is unenjoyable for a lot of people. It's, make, it's made work become quite un, unenjoyable. Um, I think... The only solution I can offer, which is the same thing that I'm applying to myself because MC has really messed up my work and things I enjoy about it, is to find... I mean, I don't know how much flexibility people have at work, but to introduce uh, aspects of your work that is still part of your job that you enjoy, that you actually do like doing. And you know, if your boss is someone who's open, to speak about it with your boss. So for example, if you like to take up additional roles... Hmm. to do something potentially beneficial to the company or your work hmm. that you actually might enjoy, you know, to be kind of entrepreneurial within your job or your role and kind of be more self-directed in finding those areas that of work that you think you might enjoy. And yeah. I think bosses would appreciate that actually yeah. when they see an employee who doesn't need to do more but wants to do more just because they want to find, to do, find something they enjoy. So yeah, your old stuff that you don't enjoy is still going to be there but at least you have you can look forward to the things that you do enjoy yeah. um, to kind of complement it and balance it out. Yeah. So for me, I think there are different components to um, working. Uh, in the sense that sometimes the, you're not, when you have a job, you don't have to necessarily be passionate about your job. You know, sometimes we work to fuel our passions. Yeah. You could argue that I work to fuel this podcast, for example. Yeah. And we unfortunately live in a much more, a, a smaller market. And so we don't have the luxury of maybe going too niche. Yeah. Like I can't become a, I can't become a ukulele player. Even if I loved being, playing the ukulele. Yeah. I would need to do something to supplement my passion. That's just the realities of where we are in this country, right? Of course, there are exceptions to every rule. So I think when you're looking at work, but that being said, right, you can't do something you, that you dread doing every day. I've been in this position where I wake up in the morning and I just feel this impending doom mm. because I'm 
thinking about going to work. And let me tell you, that's not sustainable. Yeah. But of course, you have to identify, you know, what is causing that. Yeah. Are there ways for you to improve? If there's something that you're not good and you just need to improve, that's a great way to challenge your, yourself. Yeah. You know, so what's your competency competency looking like? Yeah. You know, how do you improve yourself? Yeah. If you've improved yourself, if you've done your best and you're still not happy, then just move lah. Go to another job. Yeah. Right? Life is too short for you to to be in a place that sucks. Yeah, I don't know. Did, did you find that um, I've experienced most amount of my friends shifting careers in the last year? Mm. Have you found that? Okay, I'm a little bit older to you. Yeah. So I think there is a, after three, four years, a desire to move lah. So maybe I'm like with a circle of people who are just… Just coming into the age where you will do your first jump, first maybe. Jump. Yeah, maybe. That's possible. Yeah. I've met people who are happy in their jobs, right? Yeah. But they just can't explain why… They want I'm sorry. Not happy in their jobs. They are… Doing well. Good in their work. They have a good work culture. They have good bosses. Good colleagues. But they just can't explain why they are not happy. And right. they say, it's not like I don't enjoy the work. I mean, I like the work, but I'm just not happy. Yeah. And so sometimes it's just like, it's time for you. You're already complacent. It's still. Yeah. You need a breath of fresh air. You have to move somewhere else. Lah. Yeah. And I, I did read somewhere that sometimes the only way to, to increase your salary at the scale that you need to is by shifting jobs. Because sometimes yeah. staying in the company, the, the rate at which you grow in a company these days is not sufficient anymore. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you look at all the new CEOs. Yeah. It's the history of jumping. Yeah. You look at their... Yeah, because you're looking at a diverse portfolio yeah. of experience, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's question number one. But this oh. question has a second part to it. Sorry, I had something to add. Mm. Um, I mean, this is a cliche, but I don't know why it just rung in, been ringing in my mind quite a lot in the last week or so. Um, there's this meme or, or quote or something. Uh, and it was basically, your 9 to 5 pays the bills and your 6 to 10 builds your empire. Yeah, that's good, man. Yeah. My six to five is sleep. <laughs> six to five? Nine to five? Oh, six to ten? Six to ten, yeah. 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 Well, no, la, six to six. La, yeah. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. I come home at about… <laughs> Eleven, ten. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, but there's a second portion to this question, which is, and there's nothing to look forward to after work. Mm. And the second question also we have connects to that. How do you find happiness? When it seems there's nothing that interests me. Do you mind passing the water, Christian? Is there still water? Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. How do you find oh how do you find a hobby if there's nothing that interests you? How do you find happiness when there's nothing that interests you? Man, I don't I don't believe that is true of anybody. I think there is no if if you are unable to find out what interests you, you gotta take a pause in life for a bit. Yeah. And like pull yourself out of whatever situation you're in. Like just withdraw. You know, withdraw. If you're working in a moment, just go and leave for like three days, you know, just cut yourself off because there is no human being in the world that does not like something. Yeah. No way. Unless you're in a state of like depression, then of course, like you're you're medically de- depressed, then it's tough. But, but to be fair, you're a fully functional human. But to be fair, I think, look, I think we have to be cautious in saying that just because I do, as I, I, I used to think what you thought. Yeah. But then as I've come to know more people, there are some people who kind of have a, and I don't want to make it sound like a bad thing, but they're kind of lukewarm in the way they navigate the world, right? Yeah. And so they're not particularly passionate about anything. But For is them, this it's just person a saying passion or interest? So, that, 
the first one is there's nothing to look forward to after work. Number two, how to find happiness when there when it seems there's nothing that interests me. Yeah. So I mean I'm addressing the question of interest. Right, right, right. You right. know, I don't <clears throat> every person desires something. If you know, if you enjoy scrolling through Instagram, that's your that's desire. It's a fantastic way to find out what you like. What are you watching? Right. That is pulling you in so much. Is it the car videos? Is it the videos of rich people? Is it the videos of finance? Mm. Is it the models? What is it? You know? Mm. And it's not the best way to find out who, what you like, but it is a way. And the fact that it's hooking you like that means there's something there that is interesting to you. Yeah. So that's that's my basis of saying that there is no way you're not interested in something. Yeah. So, okay, this is my thought. Lah. My thought, and this might be a little bit niche, but one of the ironic problems about having so many options, like you said, the internet, right? You can do anything. Yeah. You know, if you wanted to learn woodworking, you could YouTube it and you yeah. could learn it. Which people do. Yeah, you can learn anything. Yeah. But one of the peculiar side effects of that or consequence to that is that you kind of get frozen mm. in in having so many choices. It's type of, yeah. you know, weird way, it's a little bit of like, like anxiety so you don't make a choice yeah. because of fear of lo- losing out. In a way, we are re-experiencing the dark ages. I mean, think about it that way. Mm-hmm. The dark ages was a deprivation of information. Yep. Right? Yeah, that, yeah, was, yeah. that was what fun kind of led to it. People just had no information. They were stuck in their ways. They couldn't progress. So that whole middle ages when there was no progress for hundreds of years was that. Yeah. Um, now we're in a complete polar opposite but you're seeing the same symptoms of it. Yeah. We have an inundation of information that no one knows how to make sense of it anymore. What a wonderful word, inundation. <laughs> no, so it's like, imagine you're in an embankment and there's no water. You you die because you're dehydrated. Yeah. But imagine if you're in an embankment and it just floods. Yeah. You also die from drowning, right? Yeah. So it's a bit, it's still, it's ironic. Whether you have too little information or too much of information, both can be bad. And so I think with a lot of people, sometimes there's so many things and you don't know where to start. Yeah. The most, it can be a very, and it's, it's funny, but it could be just a simple step of just try something. Yeah. Just get out there. You know, this looks like it interests me. Go for a class and try it out. Yeah. And what happens is, if you like it, it will just stick and you will do it more and more and more as time goes by. Yeah. You know, so you don't have to force, force feed it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, with the question of interest, it always boils down to, at the end of the day, it's going to come at some point to discipline. And, um, well, for some people, it comes naturally. Like you like something so much, you just do it repetitively and you get lost in it and you dive into it. But that's not the case for every, some people. A lot of people. Mm. Uh, it's going to come down to like, okay, I have this interest in learning how to play the guitar. Okay. You start off and then along the way, you're going to have a dip in those those emotions and that's where discipline is supposed to kick in. So to anyone who's struggling with this in particular, I would urge you to start with something small to cultivate that practice of discipline first on something easy mm. uh, that doesn't require like this. Don't take on like a monumental task that's going to take so much effort and will that you realize that you have this huge mountain to overcome but you don't have the tools mm. um, in terms of will and strength to get through it. And then you just feel like a failure at the end of it which is kind of, what's yeah. the term? You know, it, it's, it defeats the purpose, takes you back a step actually. Yeah, counterproductive. Counterproductive, yeah. Uh, okay, so to sum up, number one, I think you have to identify, like you said, like going through your scrolling down, right? And just trying to figure out what is pulling my interest. And it doesn't have to be a particular hobby type thing. It could even be your desire for like relationships or your desire for connections. You could want to just 
build connections with people and fortify those connections and that could be what gives you you happiness yeah it could be as simple as keeping a, your house in order yeah. that could give you happiness it doesn't have to be like building a a, a fortress or whatever right yeah. doesn't have to be a, a, a being a master of photoshop it yeah. could be just keeping your garden tidy it could be anything lah so yeah. figure out what makes you happy yeah or keeping your room tidy yeah 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 um so figure that out what makes you happy and then number 2 start small steps and go deeper and deeper in that yeah. passion of yours lah like yeah. for example if it's if you have a passion for people just send text small text yeah build a network of people with a small group of people first right and then you build it yeah. and you see how how many people you can uh, establish connections with and maintain those connections yeah. with right yeah. almost like a scientist experimenting yeah. yeah yeah that's brilliant okay then the third question i love to hear more this is actually from alex okay kucha yep i love to hear more about your thoughts on being separated physically but connecting virtually ah uh, miss alex kucha and how that affects friendships with family and perhaps touch on the emotional health issues malaysians are facing because of covid sadly a taboo topic People tend to think that because of the pandemic, we should just suck it up and not be sad. But these two issues, pandemic and emotional health, are not mutually exclusive. Mm. Well, well, Alex, <laughs> that's a long one. Are you prepared for the one-hour discussion? <laughs> Good to have. Uh, people, so I think the first bit is how is friendships and family relationships changing because of the pandemic? Yeah. And this is a tough one. Um, you know, it's funny. Yeah. Uh, for me, I felt we were getting closer. Like our extended family was getting closer during the pandemic mm. because there was all this, and I'm sure this was general across the board. There's all this push to connect online and to have calls and Zoom calls and play games online because we all were so determined to supplement not being able to meet. Mm. And what actually ended up ha- happening was we were talking a lot more. than we used to. So that was a nice thing but you know I think now we kind of hit the point where it's been too long. Yeah. This situation we are in and you realize that the virtual connections will never supplement the physical connections. Yeah. It just is not the same and will never be the same. Yeah. And I think because we went through the MCO and then the the relaxed MCO. Yeah. Whatever la CMCO or RMCO whatever. So when we actually met our family face to face you could feel the difference yeah you could feel the difference even though you had been connected yeah through social media yeah. and it's i think similar cuz alex in america i'm yeah. sure when she comes down yeah back home yeah. she can feel that even though we are connected talking every day on whatsapp and video yeah but when we are face to face the yeah. feeling is just different yeah so my 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 head's to off to people like alex man yeah staying abroad and have been away from family for so so long mm. and you know who for now have no kind of light at the end of the tunnel as to when they can finally see yeah. their family and celebrate important occasions. Yeah. But I also guess we can take a moment to just recognize how blessed we are yeah. that we have technology that even Connects even us. if it's superficially to a certain extent, yeah. it doesn't have to be superficial, but even if it's superficial, the fact that we can re- keep in contact, know how our families are doing, our friends are doing with just a uh, simple text, right? Yeah. It's yeah. pretty amazing. Yeah. I mean that 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 goes without doubt. I I I always think about the fact that you know I've been in a long distance relationship for 5 years now. Shout out Brenda, what up? And it's been amazing, it's a wonderful journey and this would not have been possible just 5 years ago. Yeah. 
Five years ago, we did not have iPhones, WhatsApp yeah. video call, FaceTime. Can you believe when I was in college, there was no Waze? Yeah. Yeah. I remember you first starting to use Waze. Yeah. And I remember you driving before Waze. <laughs> <laughs> it, was a, it was bad. It was bad. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, I only got WhatsApp when I was in uni. When I was 20. Yeah. So, next part of the question is uh, about mental health in light of COVID, right? And yeah. this kind of uh, tough, get tough mentality. Um, suck it up, don't be sad. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. I think, to, but to be honest, right, to play a little bit of devil's advocate, I don't necessarily think that saying, you know, tough it out, tough it out is a bad thing. Mm. Because I think we shouldn't um, coddle uh, people, mm. uh, especially young people. I think we need to be able to you know, I read about, you know, have you ever thought about the grim fairy tales, right? And how dark they are. Yeah. Have you ever wondered, those were for kids, right? Have you ever wondered why they're so dark? So I was reading about no. it and I was reading about how uh, it was so important to educate young children about how dark the world was yeah. and how to expect darkness and unhappiness so that when, when it actually happened, they wouldn't be like traumatized by it. And that is the same reason why the Greek mythologies normally end in tragedy. Yeah, It's to kind of condition people because the times that they lived in yeah. was horrible, right? Yeah, You talk about people, the, the, the mean, median age of living being like your 30s, early yeah. 30s, yeah. late 20s. So you had to kind of be groomed to face tough things. Yeah, And so I think to a certain extent, there's nothing wrong with telling people like, look, Life is tough, man. Yeah. You have to you have to buck up and you have to to face it face on. Be a hero and take down and challenge the darkness, right? Yeah. Don't give up. You, you're strong. You're strong. It's going to be a tough fight, but you're strong. So I, that part of it, I think, is fair game. Mm. Uh, but at the same time, you cannot dismiss. You shouldn't use that to dismiss what another person is going through. La. Of course. And not one approach applies to all people. Yeah. So some people need to hear, tough it out. You need yeah. to buck up, you need to be a hero in your own story. Yeah. Some people, you just need to listen and you need to empathize and you need to cry with them if you need to cry with them. Yeah. And telling the difference can be a bit tricky. La. It is very, very hard. I would err towards the side of empathizing first. Sure. Uh, just because we, you, you know, you never know what the situation of someone is, of the person on the other end of the line. Yeah, and 100%, even for me, if someone would call me up and tell me they were having a, a tough time, I wouldn't, Hey, suck it up, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it would be more of like if I'm journeying with you after a period of time and I know that I know you yeah. and I know you're being complacent or I know that you're you're being a bit too Waiting self-indulgent. Self or something. Yeah, then yeah. I'm like, dude, or, or whoever you are, <laughs> that, you know, you need to buck up. I know you. I know how strong you are. Yeah. This sucks and it's tough, but you can deal with this. You have to just fight. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, on the topic about whether Malaysians speak enough about the emotional baggages of COVID, I mean, I think this is across the board. Beyond COVID, we don't talk about emotional baggages on anything. Yeah. Um, and this is a, f I wouldn't call it, say a failure, but a weakness of our culture. And as with any culture, it's progressing. People are becoming more aware and woke mm. to, to the importance of speaking out and acknowledging your feelings. I think COVID has amplified a lot of the social ills. 
Yeah. And, and maybe strengths in the, in our society. La, like Any society the, in the world. Yeah, the misinformation yeah. Uh, or communication, yeah. um, the the authority, the power dynamics, yeah. the wealth dynamics, yeah. and also the sort of, even for example, the number of domestic abuse that's gone up, mm. that is amplified because of mm. the lockdown, right? Mm. So it just, it's a microscope into how society is doing. How broken we are. Yeah, definitely. Man. So do we do we talk enough about it? I like you said, I don't think we do, but I it's think a, it's a it's a just an example of a larger problem, lah. Yeah, and what we can do is like, like like we said, lah. You know, do m- mental health checks on each other. Yeah. Um, and just check up on your friends and family, and and, yeah. and just and if you yourself are going through a tough time, don't be afraid to. Uh, I think the Asian default is to like if you feel, if you start beating yourself up. No, sorry, if you feel like. Um, this is becoming too stressful or tough, your immediate instinct is to say, ah, you know, I just have to brush it out. I just have to push forward. Yeah. I think that is the Asian kind of mindset. Everyone is going through this. Yeah, everyone's going through this. I just, I got to suck it up. You know, I think that is the Asian instinct. Yeah. Um, and that can be dangerous for a lot of people. And yeah, because it's not the best route. Yeah, because sometimes you generally, like, you, you know you're supposed to fight that battle. And then you keep losing and you keep telling yourself, I'm supposed to fight this battle. But it just means that you don't have the proper tools to fight or that battle. Or the problem is just insurmountable. It's out of your control. Correct. Yeah. Correct. I mean, sometimes, you know, you, you, it's a workplace problem that has nothing to do with you. Yeah, but you have, there are, there's things that are still within, you, that those things are outside your locus of control, but there are things that are within your yeah, locus yeah, of control. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah. I mean, I've told a friend before, like, look, if it's out of outside of your circle of control, you just got to be able to cut it off and just be completely detached emotionally from that, those those issues. Like, Just not care about it. Mm. Um, it's the only way. Okay, next question. Next category. Category. Okay, we're done. This is about men. <laughs> I thought it was funny. Men. men uh, there's men, one like... Menly men. Okay, men, I'll just read men, the first one. Men, men, um, men. Actually, if you read both of them together, it's quite funny. The first question is, how can single men rise up against their oppressors Two. Then the, the second tyranny question. of the non-single men. And the second question is: There's an increase of men who have mother issues, mother wounds. Do men discuss this? I feel like somehow they are, you know, weirdly connected, but they're from two separate people. Mm. So the first one is: How can single men rise up against their oppressors? The question is: Who is the oppressor of single men? Who are the oppressors? Actually, I was thinking about this. You are a single man. Who oppresses you? Life oppressed. <laughs> no, but I was genuinely thinking about this the other day, and I know this is going to be very controversial. I was thinking about how there's this kind of um, so many people are going to be upset if I say this, but they're gonna get cancelled. It's fine, lah. That we know how much women have suffered, have been put down, and so-called oppressed, right, by the different what by the hierarchy, lah, right. We don't really talk much about how men suffered though. Like, it's all, it almost feels like the position is that men were kings who enjoyed everything, who then came back home and then just beat their wives and abused them and were expected to be treated as kings. But I feel that's a bit of a disservice because we don't talk about how sucky it was for men as well back in the day. I mean, you talk about men having to... If men used to... I, and I don't want to generalize. I'm not saying that all men beat their wives. Lah. But if there was even a, to a degree a culture of men beating their wives, there was also a culture of men beating other men. Yeah. There was also a culture of 
insane type of work ex, uh, crazy kind of work. It's not the word is not even culture. Yeah. Safety. Yeah. The things that were expected, women had to fear for for being harmed, yeah. and to a certain extent, their lives to a certain extent. But men had to. It was more on their. You're thinking like coal miners, people working in oil and gas, going to the war, going, going to war. wars. Yeah. They 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 always like had okay, to steel factories. Yeah. And men didn't have an option or a choice. Yeah. They were groomed to take up their responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. To provide. work in those conditions. Yeah. They never had a choice. Yeah. And how much of that culture of getting intoxicated and drinking or even womanizing were just manifestations of this kind of crazy options given to men. And so sometimes I think it's a bit unfair when we look at conditions now and we retrospectively put it, you know, like 60, 100, 200 years ago because it sucked for women. But it equally sucked for men just differently. Yeah. You know, it's just differently. I think sometimes it's a bit unfair. Yeah. Right now, do I think men have oppressors? No, I think this is a bit of a silly, silly question. I think we all have societal. No, actually, I, oppressors is the wrong word, lah. Yeah, I don't think any of us have any oppressors, lah. Mm. I think, lah. I mean, some women would argue that there is a system systemic bias against them even today. Right. You could count the whole gender wage argument. Uh, Gender pay gap. Gender pay gap as a systemic bias against women and the, therefore an oppression of some sort. Mm. Um, so there, there are racial I, biases. Yeah. But I just think oppression is a very strong word. La. Yeah. It, uh, it seems more deliberate, right? Oppression. Yeah. Whereas these systemic biases yeah. are not deliberate per se. They might not even be conscious. Yeah. Right. They're yeah. like I mean the byproducts of yeah. a system. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, this is a tough one to answer. I mean, I can't answer it because I'm not... I think this is a joke. La. It's a joke question, actually. <laughs> How can single men rise up against... That would be oppressors? a real insult to the person who asked the question if it was serious. No, but I know... <laughs> this is a joke. For, for everyone's information, the person who asked this question is Samuel Lim. So, it's definitely <laughs> a joke. <laughs> Should have prefaced with that <laughs> before I put so much thought into this question. <laughs> Uh, but I explain why he is single as well. <laughs> <laughs> he probably starts every date with that. Let me talk about my oppressors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but anyway, it's a it's a very very complicated uh, uh, question, lah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, second question: There's an increase of men who have mother issues, mm. mother wounds. Do men discuss this? Short answer: No. Men not don't discuss this. Absolutely no. not. No. And in fact, I'd like to. I mean, honestly, I don't know enough about this. I couldn't speak about. Men, mother issues. Um, I don't understand enough about. Hi, the- mommy. <laughs> Help, la, papa. <laughs> mommy, why you hurt me? <laughs> this is really bad. <laughs> um, uh, I couldn't speak enough about this issue. Like, I just haven't thought about it at all. I think we all. Uh, I think we all have parental wounds. Uh, even however perfect your parents yeah. can be. Yeah. Well, not perfect. But even if your parents did the best that they could, it is just... Human. Unavoidable that you're go- they are going to hurt you. Yeah. In fact, to a certain extent, their role is to hurt you a little bit. Yeah. They are supposed to give you a little bit of oppression so that when you finally face that oppression, you're not 
uh, disillusioned or shocked off or traumatized or unable to handle it. They're supposed to give you a little bit of tyranny. So you're going to get hurt. Um, but of course, degrees, different degrees of hurt will result in different manifestations and you have to deal with it accordingly. Uh, so both men and women get hurt by their uh, fathers and their mothers. Um, all of us are just children trying to figure that out. La. It's really crazy la, from the ages of one to four how much your how much it forms the way you view the world. But I think specifically to men, the only problem is that men don't... Actually, I, I don't know whether I want to say this, but it's two things. Uh, one, it might be that men have... A, a men in general have a personality that they don't feel comfortable talking about these things or they don't even feel the need to talk about these things. Uh, and second is, maybe that's reinforced in a cultural setting as well. Uh. And so, one, you're, you, most men don't feel or want to talk about it. And then at a societal level, they're not taught why they should talk about it. And so that kind of influences them. Yeah. yeah. And you, the inverse happens with uh, women as well. A lot of women are more comfortable talking about things. It might be a personality thing. There are women who I know who have a personality where they don't feel like they want to talk or need to talk or they can't even recognize the way they feel about a particular thing, right? Yeah. And um, I think, okay, but to be more specific to this question, mm. And I'm interested in this answer is have you seen manifestations of men having mummy issues today? Have so yeah, she uses the word increase. I don't think there's been an increase. Maybe men are talking about it more now. But what are manifestations of having mother issues in an adult man, male? Um, it depends on what the mother issues are. Like if you had a mother who um, didn't give you enough attention... Uh, one thing that could happen is you could um, grow up and the way you attach with uh, your romantic partner, it could be avoidant. So it could be that, uh, sorry, it could be anxious, meaning that you're always looking for, for love. Uh, you're always examining. Fearful. Paranoid almost. Yeah. So if you, if your mother has been, doesn't shower you with enough love and it's been very uh, hot and cold in terms of the love they give you, or if your mother... Um, yeah, if your mother is like that, then there's two ways you can navigate it. Mm. One is, because they're both navigated by fear of not being loved, right? Mm. So one is you could avoid. So you just put walls so that you never have to feel that pain. Mm. Or two, um, you you try and correct the problem before it happens. <laughs> so you overanalyze. Yeah. But two of it is the same thing. It's grounded in fear. Yeah. So it can actually really affect the way you your your romantic lives, the way you connect with your children later on. Yeah. 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 So but I do think people are talking about it more now. So maybe that's the, the reason why you see it more. Okay. Hello everybody, you've just listened to part one of our QA, answered by myself and my brother. We hope you enjoy it. Uh, part 2 comes out next week. Again, if you're liking the content, please do like, comment, follow, share, subscribe, all that jazz because every little bit helps, especially during the season of MCO. Hope everybody is staying safe, staying healthy, staying good. Peace, everybody. Yeah. Sensei. Sensei.